Welcome in, everybody, here on a Thursday edition. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Great to have you with us. Hope you're staying warm. Hope you're staying safe. The roads really aren't that bad. I would actually be in studio uh, if I didn't have a, a second gig, I had to get on uh, by like two thirty to get hooked up. But uh, come if you're on, on the now, main road, Mike. We know the on... truth. You'd be here in studio if you weren't a soy boy. I am a whiny little soy boy. That's the worst. I mean, the the whiny little soy boys are are certainly the worst. I am no Nebraska driving specialist like Parker. So uh, anyway, it's it's. Uh, it's still overcast. Uh, you know, you might have some problems getting out of your own neighborhood. Uh, that might be your biggest challenge. The main roads look pretty good right now. We've got maybe a little bit of stuff coming in here a little bit later, but tomorrow it's going to warm up. All right. Uh, today we will have John Ham joining us. I think John's going to be available to join us at 1235 today. One of our Thunder insiders and uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is coming back for Oklahoma City tonight after a 10-game hiatus. He was out with an ankle injury. And uh, the Phoenix Suns will be in OKC tonight at 7 o'clock without Chris Paul, who is going to miss six to eight weeks with an ankle issue. But Phoenix still sporting the best record in the NBA. 7 o'clock tip time tonight at the Paycom Center. And then at uh, one thirty-five, George Stoya going to join us. Denver Gazette, Aaron Rodgers might be making a decision soon after his uh, Panchakarma uh, 12-day cleanse which uh, led to a very interesting Instagram post the other day. But uh, the general feeling is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be making a decision soon. Green Bay certainly uh, would still be the favorite. Uh, the Denver Broncos, I think, would be second on that list. George, uh, OUJ school graduate, really good young writer, will join us. We'll talk about that situation, and we'll talk a little sooner basketball and football coming up here in a little bit as well. I've always said I think the two biggest, brightest – I'm not blowing smoke here. A lot of times I do. You guys, if you've listened to me long enough, a lot of what I say is, you know, tongue-in-cheek. There's a lot of, uh, as I've said, my business card should say Mike Steely, PBA, professional bull artist. Uh, but really, Parker and and George, I think, are the best two I've seen coming out of the Oklahoma Journalism School in a while. All right. Uh, did you see Jason Kersey's article today in The Athletic? Because I thought it was right on the money. Jason does a great job. Good dude. He's got great uh, uh, binge taste as well. Uh, you know, I see him tweeting about the same shows I'm watching all the time, and he does a great job covering Sooner football. And basically, uh, Jason, who covers the Sooners for the Athletic and the pride of uh, Noble, Oklahoma, wrote about this narrative that's out there that, man, Oklahoma took a big hit, and what's going to happen to the Sooners, man? They're going to the SEC or on the same path. Nebraska traveled, you know, from the Big 12 to the Big 10. And people are kind of overlooking a lot about what has been excellent at Oklahoma since Muleshoe left for L.A. I love the head coaching hire. I think he has brought in maybe as good a staff as there is in college football. I really mean that. Now, they've got to go out and prove it, but I think potentially we've seen what Brent Vittables has done. We've seen what Todd Bates has done. Uh, you know, Jeff Levy's numbers as an offensive coordinator are excellent. Sooner fans know about the kind of results that Jerry Schmidt gets. Uh, with strength and conditioning, but uh, I don't know if you saw it today, Parker. I thought it was great, but it's it's basically again. There's I, I still think this national narrative that man, what's going to happen to Oklahoma? Are they going to stay a blue blood, or is this going to be really problematic? And I think again, short term, 
you know, maybe, maybe that can be an issue. But long term, we've talked about this. What they put together, to me, looks really good for the long term for OU. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we keep rehashing this conversation over and over and over again, Mike, but that's because it keeps getting dragged to the top of the national headlines. Oh, you know, Brad Venables, first-time head coach. I'm just just not sure where, how much success he's going to have at Oklahoma, particularly as they prepare to make the transition to the SEC. When you look at this team top to bottom heading into the year 2022, Mike, there's a very legitimate argument that there's going to be Absolutely no drop-off one year to the next. And I understand that this Oklahoma football team is not going to be as sexy as it once was. right? Because Lincoln Riley's style, mule shoes style of football was sexy. That's the reason why, despite the fact that Oklahoma had a bit of a down year in 2020, really didn't play great football until the latter half of the season. There's a reason why they came into 2021 as the odds-on favorite to win the national title right up there with Alabama. There were pundits all across the nation predicting that Oklahoma was going to be, at at the very least, playing for a national title at year's end. And that was because Muleshoe had mastered the art of sexy football. Now, the Sooners, in the five years that Muleshoe was head coach, obviously never played for a national championship, obviously never won a national championship. But one thing they did do, Mike... They put up numbers, particularly on offense. They put up points. They dominated the Big 12. And all of us kind of collectively got sucked into the lie believing that because Oklahoma had been the cream of the crop in the Big 12 and because they had all this talent on both sides of the ball, that not only were they going to win the Big 12 again, but that all of a sudden they were going to waltz onto the college football playoff stage in January and go toe-to-toe with the likes of Alabama and Georgia. And that ended up not being the case. And you you can still make the argument today that Oklahoma had all the talent to be able to do that, but at the end of the day, it came down to coaching. And to me, that's the reason why there is more optimism for this Oklahoma football team going forward, I would say, than there would be otherwise, because regardless of the discrepancy in talent, and you can say, you can sit here and say, sure, Oklahoma's not as talented on both sides in 2022 as they were in 2021. That's fine. I would sympathize with that argument. But what you can't say, at least I don't think in good conscience, is that Oklahoma is going to be a worse coached team than they were in 2021. And one thing you absolutely cannot do, especially in this day and age, Mike, is you cannot win a national championship without good coaching. I can think of one school in the last 20 years that won a national title without a very high-end, well-respected, successful head coach. That would be Gene Chizik at all. Yeah, that's where I was going. That's where I was going right there. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, sexy, glitzy, glamorous, whatever you want to talk. And I'm not going to sit here as as angry as I still am in a very petty way about how Muleshoe left. Uh, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Do we know that he's a championship coach, a national championship coach? We certainly haven't seen that yet. He's going to win games at USC. There is no doubt about it. I mean, they're going to have a great chance to get to the playoff. Uh, USC is a sleeping giant. But the way that Oklahoma has recovered has been really good. And if you're talking glitz and glamour, here's another bad analogy by me. Do you want to be with like a Kardashian? 
you're you're going to get a lot of attention, you know, on social media and everything. You're also going to have a very flaky relationship that's not going to get you a championship. Or do you want to be? That's the mule shoe way. All about me. Look at me. I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I can go anywhere I want. Whatever. Or do you want to go out with somebody like uh, Sandra Bullock or Jennifer Garner, who may not be quite as glitzy or glamorous, but it looks like a solid long-term investment, right? That is the Oklahoma way right now. Sandra Bullock versus a Kardashian. Where are the Kardashians from? They're Armenian. I know that. But <laughs> California. Uh, I mean, all, all the celebs are in L.A. these days, right? So, I mean, I don't know if... I'm not sure if that was brilliant or stupid. It's somewhere it, I, in between. It, no, it was brilliant because, like, you make a very great point. Sure, you're going to get all the headlines and uh, the paparazzi if you're dating a Kardashian, but that relationship's not going to last. That's right. Pete Davidson, you're on the hook already, man. I, I know you think you're in right now, whatever, and I know you've dated a bunch of people, Ariana included, but guess what? Uh Kim will be hitting the transfer portal soon. It's only a matter of time. There you go. You have heard Brent Venables and Pete Davidson name dropped in the same segment of radio. Yes, and I think I compared uh, Brent to Sandra Bullock slash Jennifer Garner and Mule Shoe to one of the Kardashians. But, you know, I guess Mule Shoe, Texas is a long way from Southern California, but that, I don't know, this whole deal. Uh, but, yeah, you keep seeing that narrative. I thought Jason's piece in The Athletic, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, it's really good, man. They've got great, great, great writers. Jason, one of them, and he did an excellent piece today uh, on, you know, kind of how Sooner football has recovered since. And, you know, we keep talking about this, and maybe we still don't talk about it enough. The way they salvaged, not only salvaged, but improved the recruiting hall in this class was pretty amazing. And that's even without – you know, mentioning Dylan Gabriel and Jeffrey Johnson and Trey Morrison and McCade Mattire and Daniel Parker and T.D. Roof, other guys that have come through the portal. So, again, in terms of answering what could have been a, a very, I don't know if I want to go disastrous, but a very difficult situation to overcome, even for a Blue Blood program when it happened that quickly like it did, Oklahoma's recovery, I think, was really good. So, anyway, uh, how was your drive-in this morning, by the way? Well, no I tell you what, I got my bicep workout in because I had to spend a lot more time than I anticipated scraping the ice off my car, uh, which, you know, not my first time scraping ice, but definitely one of the most difficult times I've had. That ice was thick and it was not budging. So, yeah. Did I you have any de-icer or anything? You could warm up the car, put that de-icer on? No, or did I, you just, just scrape away? I just have one of those traditional ice scrapers that's probably 15 years old by now, and it's just... It's it's old reliable for me, so I whipped it out and just went to town, and uh, it took it took a while. It took a while. I I probably spent about as long scraping the ice off my windshield today as I would generally spend scraping ice off the windshield and all of the windows and the back windshield. So I it, it's weird to me, Mike, because why is why is there all why does Oklahoma always get the ice? Because I'm very accustomed to snow. Nebraska mm-hmm. always has snow every right. single winter. But ice like this is something that you only get up there every couple of years, at least in that quantity. Now, it seems like in Oklahoma, you have that multiple times on an annual basis. 
Well, it, you powered through. I think the Oklahoma Men's Clinic will name you one of their alpha males of the year for you getting out there and scraping your own ice without a de-icer. That's very impressive. Clearly uh, alpha male material. I'm still a whiny little soy boy. By the way, Ronnie on Twitter, Steely, you still st- sound congested. Go to the doctor. <laughs> too much time, too much paperwork, Ronnie. I have this sinus infection, whatever it is. On the ropes right now. It's a matter of landing that last punch. That's what I'm trying to do. Throw so the I'll haymaker. Be fine. Yeah, I need one more. I need one more. Like I said, just when I think I've got this thing knocked out, it comes back, man. It keeps fighting. So, anyway. All right, uh, folks, we're just underway here on a Thursday. Good to have you with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. A former Sooner changing jobs. We'll talk about that when we get back here on the Ref. Okay, welcome back. It is a Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Our thanks to our first-hour sponsor, Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, they will do a great job for you. We've had work done uh, with Tim's people over here at uh, our place, Shea Stadium, and they did a tremendous job, a great job. Very professional, nice people, and uh, they fixed our issue very quickly. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Okay, before we get to, uh, I wanted to talk about Troy Aikman possibly going to Monday Night Football, but how, how about Grambling State hiring Art Bryles as their offensive coordinator? Gabe Eicher just had a great tweet, a great tweet that he put out. About five minutes ago, I feel like we all deserve to know if Grambling State waited for Putin to invade Ukraine before announcing the Art Bryles news. <laughs> oh man, what do you mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that situation, Mike? Well, look, I, I mean, I, in my opinion, Art Bryles is way too tarnished, and uh, I think Art Bryles is a heck of a football coach. Man, he did a great job at Stephenville. He's an offensive innovator. They gave Oklahoma problems when he was there. He had some great teams at Baylor. There's no doubt about it. But, man, he is too toxic for me. He is too toxic for me. And and somebody might say, well, you know, what about Jeff Levy? He was there. Oklahoma had no problem bringing in Jeff Levy. And, you know, we talked about that, too, Parker, that that was going to be a hurdle he was going to have to clear. And, obviously, I, I think what you do is you put your trust in uh, – the two Joes, uh, Joe Castiglione and Joe Harris there, and they investigated and vetted Jeff Levy and felt good about that hire. But Art Bryles, really good coach, no doubt. But, man, this, some of the stuff that went on there is like, uh, it's it's everything you could imagine that could go wrong with a college football program, you know, the end of his tenure at Baylor. Yeah, I, I don't know because, like, in general, to a certain extent – we don't know all of what went on at Baylor, right? There were things that there were kind of conflicting reports on. There was some stuff that got lost in translation, and no doubt there was some stuff that was probably intentionally obfuscated. So I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and condemn Art Riles, and I don't know how unpopular of a take this is, but particularly, you know, for – for any school that has done their homework and been thorough in vetting him and made sure that they've gone through all of the steps and looked at it from every angle. And, you know, if, if at the end of that, they decide 
that Art Bryles is a guy that they feel comfortable with hiring, I'm not going to fight them on that, right? That's that's their decision. If that's their evaluation after going through all or after jumping all of the hurdles and clearing it from you know background checks, all that stuff. I I don't know, Mike. I understand why people are upset about it and why people are going to continue to be upset about it. But I also think, you know what? If the university administrators at Grambling believe that they're doing the right thing and they believe that Art Riles is going to represent their university well and he's going to steward this second chance responsibly, then more power to them. And so I... I will be curious to see how his tenure at Grambling plays out. I will be especially curious to see just how extensive the backlash is over the next couple of days. But I'm going to stand pat on calling Art Bryles bottom-level scum, like I've seen some people on Twitter doing. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't associate associate him with the worst of the worst. I still don't believe I wouldn't hire him uh, on a college campus because he was the man in charge. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's the most evil guy of all time, but that's interesting, man. At an HBCU to uh, for them to hire Art Bryles at Grambling. Grambling's got great history. Obviously, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and Eddie Robinson. Man, I can still remember as a kid being fascinated by Grambling because we would get uh, Sunday morning the Notre Dame football replay with Lindsey Nelson on the call, and then after that, we get Grambling State. You know, and uh, and I would bet you, I'd have to go to the Hall of Fame website, but I would bet you that Grambling has more pro football Hall of Fame enshrinees than OU does. We have to go ahead and Google that up. Somebody Google it up for us. But, you know, if not, it's really, really close because they've had, they've sent, I can think of, well, you think of Doug Williams winning a Super Bowl. You think of... Willie Brown with the Raiders and others, um, I'd have to Google that. But they've got a great reputation. So, yeah, this surprised me. Uh, you know, and I really liked a lot of the Art Brile story before the lid blew off there at Baylor, and it, it was so ugly there. I mean, this is a guy who overcame a lot. I mean, his parents dying in a car wreck to go see him play a college football game when he was at the University of Houston. I mean, that is that's about as tragic as it gets. Then he goes – Becomes a legendary uh, Texas high school coach. Ends up at Tech. Does an excellent job elevating that Baylor program. Art Bryles probably is as responsible as anybody for getting McLean Stadium built right there on the Brazos, right? Uh, Without Art Bryles being there, you know, no matter what you think uh, and how bad the fallout uh, was afterwards, he he was really very responsible for Baylor getting that stadium. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just uh, it still leaves a bad taste in my mouth seeing that. All right, what about Troy Aikman potentially going to join Monday Night Football at ESPN? And there's some thought that Joe Buck may follow him there. Uh, the Monday Night Football crew, I believe, it's what uh, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Greasy, and Brian Greasy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like Lisa Lisa Salters was doing the sideline stuff. Man, ESPN has played musical chairs with the Monday Night Football crew for a while now, and that would be a big get. I don't know. Um, You know, Al Michaels had talked about, and he's not coming back to NBC. Uh, It certainly doesn't look like. But is Monday Night Football a better gig? Look, if he's going to get paid $17 million, 
uh, per year, what we're hearing with this new deal with Monday Night Football, you you know, I don't know. Is that a better gig first than a off, Sunday Fox game? First off, that's an obscene amount of money. That means it he is. is getting paid $1 million per game, Mike. $1 million per game. He is getting paid $1 million for four hours of work every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is that is the type of gig that you and I can only dream of having. So, you know what? If that's the bag that Troy Aikman's getting, again, more power to him. I also think that would be great for ESPN because Monday Night Football has quickly become an afterthought when you're thinking about the high-level football broadcast these days. Because it used yeah. to be that Monday Night Football was appointment television, right? But Ever, I mean, they've had John Gruden in the booth. They had Jason Witten in the booth that one mm. year. Oh. Their color guys over the years, and no disrespect to any Booger of those McFarland, guys. Booger McFarland, right? But Troy Aikman is night and day better than any of the color guys that they've rolled out over the last few years. And so yeah. I feel like this is an opportunity for Monday Night Football to really reestablish itself as a heavy hitter in terms of – weekly football broadcasting and to me i don't know i don't know whether joe buck will follow i will always associate joe buck with fox more than anything else and joe bucks has been working at fox mike for 26 mm-hmm. years now so what, what about his baseball stuff too exactly. you know if he goes so, to monday night football so that makes me wonder may, hey, here's here's the interesting thing what if it's al michaels that they pair with troy mm-hmm. Aikman? because nbc is getting be. ready to move on from al Al is still killing the game at 76 years old, and he's one of the most iconic voices in the history of modern American sports. If you pair Al Michaels with Troy Aikman, that is instantly, I would say, the best booth that ESPN has had for Monday Night Football since Madden left. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And look, Monday Night Football is never going to be what it used to be because when I was growing up, Monday Night Football really was the biggest show in sports on a weekly basis, Uh, even if they had a so-so matchup. Because you had, by the way, Keith Jackson, who is Mr. College Football, was the first play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football. And later you think of, um, obviously, Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell and, you know, they had Don Meredith and O.J. Simpson and, uh, you know, a bunch of different people in the booth. But and Cosell's halftime highlights were legendary, and he always had something controversial to say. And it was the biggest show in sports every Monday night back in the day. Times have changed. That's when we had, you know, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and PBS, and that's about it. But uh, this would be big, obviously, with Troy, and if they get either uh, Joe Buck or Al Michaels. So we'll see what happens. All right, we are underway, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Thursday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman, and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network. Yes, we are the home of Sooner fans. We're going to talk a little Thunder basketball when we get back. It's a big night because the stretch run of the season begins tonight. Oklahoma City needs to continue competitively tanking. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is coming back from a 10-game absence tonight. So we'll get into that with John Hamm when we get back right here on The Ref. John Hamm, our Thunder insider, joining us. Uh, Oklahoma City back in action tonight at the Paycom Center, taking on the West leading and the NBA leading uh, Phoenix Suns. Best record in the West, best record in the league, but without CP3 for six to eight weeks due to that thumb injury and SGA coming back tonight for Oklahoma City. 
John, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you look at where Oklahoma City is, fourth worst record in the league, and uh, they are three games clear of the Rockets for three, and we know how big it is, you know, percentage-wise. Uh, it's, it's, it's not just extremely significant, but there's enough there that you would like to have the third worst record in the league. But that's going to be, even though there are 24 games left uh, in the way that Houston's going about their business and Detroit and Orlando, uh, this may be where Oklahoma City lands. So what is the, uh, over the final 24 regular season games, uh, we've talked about competitive tanking, if that's possible. What, uh, what are you looking for out of the last 24 regular season games from the Thunder? You know, Mike, I go back to last season coming out of the all-star break. Uh, that's suddenly when Moses Brown got into the lineup and, and eventually landed a starting job. Uh, Alexei Pokashevsky got a starting job. And, and it was pretty apparent at that point that, you know, the page had turned in a different direction. And then, of course, Shane mm-hmm. Gildas Alexander, you know, is injured. Um, and that helped matters a lot. I kind of expect we're going to see – I don't know if, it, if it's going to be quite that drastic. I don't think they're going to be starting like Olivier Saar at center for the rest of the season. But, you know, it, I think there is going to be an emphasis on, you know, getting some guys some minutes. Again, Pokashevsky, who has been on a, a, a bit of a roll, relatively speaking, I think, you know, putting him out there, getting a look at him in some different lineups with other guys, um, you know, giving some more time, you know, getting a look at Vic Krejci, getting a, you know, a bigger look at Lindy Waters. Just, you know, that is one way that you can both, you know, get guys some experience and also probably not have a lot of success, which, as you mentioned, right, you get into the bottom three of the league. Now you've got a 14% chance of getting the top pick in the draft. And every little percentage point, you know, that that matters. It, It helps matters a little bit. John, what do you make of LeBron's comments last week on Sam Presti? Uh, a lot of people have speculated that eh, maybe somewhere down the line with Oklahoma City having all the picks that they have in future drafts, maybe Bronny ends up in Oklahoma City, and that would necessarily mean LeBron ends up at Oklahoma City. Like, How much do you read into that? Do you think you just take that at face value, and that's LeBron James giving praise to a guy that he views as – an elite basketball mind, or you think there's a little bit more subtext there? Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of both. So Le- LeBron is, uh, he's excellent at subtweeting people. Um, and he doesn't need Twitter to do that. Right. Uh, if he has a message to send, that message uh, was, you know, largely sent at his own general manager, Rob Palenka. Um, I think it was like a genuine sort of expression on, wow, look at what, you know, Sam has been able to do in Oklahoma city, identifying all this talent. Uh, and keeping that team, you know, competitive for as long as they did, I, I think some of that was was pretty genuine. But I mean, also, I think there was a message sent, you know, to Rob Palenka. This is coming out of the trade deadline uh, where they didn't make any moves, and you know, there was of course mixed messages over who was on board with the idea and not. Uh, so LeBron will do that once in a while. Now, as far as like laying the groundwork for, you know, I, I've seen people speculate. Does that mean he's trying to recruit Presti to L.A.? I, I just I don't see something like that happening. And, you know, as far as like LeBron, LeBron could wind up. Look, if Bronny winds up in Toronto, I mean, LeBron might follow him up there. That's what he's you know expressed uh, desire to do. Um, you know, wherever he winds up, he wants to play the final season with his son. That may be Oklahoma City. But I mean, at that point, you're talking about a 42 year old LeBron James. Uh, let's be honest. He's still going to be a legend at that age, I guess. <laughs> you know, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. 
John Hamm with us, Thunder Insider, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network, Oklahoma City and the Suns tonight, 7 o'clock at the Paycom Center. Uh, Russell Westbrook was named uh, one of the top 75 NBA players of all time, celebrating the 75th anniversary, and in conjunction with the uh, All-Star Weekend, you know, some people had an issue with that. And In my mind, Russ is definitely, no doubt, one of the top 70 players of all time. But speaking of LeBron, there's reportage out there that LeBron was in favor of, uh, you know, John Wall for Russ and that deal, and uh, behind the scenes hasn't been you know, real happy with uh, the way the situation has worked out or hasn't worked out with Russ. What do you think of Russ's reputation right now? Uh, it, it appears to be in tatters with a lot of people, but you've got to consider the the entire career here. But what do you think about, you know, Russ's reputation around the league now? Yeah, I mean, uh, people like to be sort of prisoners of the moment. And when you look at Russ right now, it's real easy to discredit everything he's done up until this season. And, I mean, look, in terms of this season in L.A., if you go on Twitter, you're going to see the very bad mistakes Russ makes, right? Because And that's the way Russ has always been. When he's done something bad, I mean, it is, it is loud. Whether it's a, you know, it's a bad pass, that it's a turnover, if it's a shot off the side of the backboard, you know, those are the clips that people see, and then they sort of you know, take that to mean that is Russ's entire identity. Um, you know, like he was always an awkward fit with LeBron, and it, it's not all on him. L.A. struggles are not completely on him. He's part of the problem. Um, but I, I just think he is, he's always been such an easy guy to lay blame upon because, you know, he's, he's a guy that is pretty gruff uh, with people. He's very private. Um, and, again, his play it, over the years, he has not been able to rate himself in uh, the way that he probably should. So, you know, for all those reasons, he's always been a lightning rod. But, again, uh, you know, I, I think you look at his, his career as a whole, I think it speaks for itself. Even if you want to discount some of the triple-double success that he's had, whatever, he made it happen. And plus, he was on part of, you know, he was a part of some very successful teams at Oklahoma City, right? He wasn't getting these stats in losing situations that led nowhere. Um, he contributed to winning in Oklahoma City. So you take that all into consideration. Yes, you deserve to be on the top 75 team. Unfortunately, he wanted to go back home to L.A., and it just it, it, it hasn't worked out well at all for him. John, let me ask you this. Looking ahead to next year's draft, let's say Oklahoma ends up on the outside looking in in the top three, and the consensus is that the top three picks in next year's NBA draft are going to be, in no particular order, Paolo Boncaro, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. Let's say those three guys are off the board when the Thunder get their chance to pick. Do you add a guard? Do you take Jaden Ivey, who's probably the best player on the board at that point? Do you add him to a backcourt that already includes Josh Giddy and Trey Mann and Lou Dort and Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Or do you take a guy that's more in a position of need, perhaps? Do you trade the pick down? What do you think Oklahoma City does in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, that's going to require you know, a, a whole lot of soul-searching, I think, in Oklahoma City. If that situation unfolds, and they, like you say, they wind up outside the top three, um, depending on how the picks land, can they again maybe mount you know, uh, a massive trade offer to try to move up into that top three? You know, I think that's probably going to be one of the first things they look at. You know, maybe they do have to sit back and say, okay, do we need to do something drastic you know, in terms of trading a significant player on the team, i.e. Shea Gildas-Alexander, to try to move up into that top three? Uh, set the rebuild back a little bit, but still, 
you know, it, it, it's all about getting that star player some way, somehow. Maybe OKC would see that and say, hey, we've identified someone that we think is going to be a star that people aren't seeing here. I mean, I'm just completely just hypothetical. What if they see like Patrick Baldwin Jr. and they're like, we think that guy has got it. You know, th- there's, there's a lot of different things that could unfold there. But I think with all the assets OKC has, they're going to continue to try to move up and put themselves in position to get the guy they really want. It didn't work out last year. That doesn't mean it'll never work out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you know, you add another guard, it starts to get a little packed in that backcourt. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to, you know, really really think about things. But I'll say this, too. Josh Giddy opens up a lot of things for this team in terms of who they can add because he is a positional anomaly. Being a 6'8 guard that can rebound like that, it's entirely possible they may say, hey, we, we can throw another guard into this mix and play Josh as the nominal four because of just the way that he plays. So it, it, it'll be really fascinating to see the thought process and, and how that all unfolds you know, whenever the draft order is known. I like that. Positional anomaly. Very well said there, Jim. Very well said. I like it. It's perfect, actually. All right, real quick before we let you go, uh, Evan Mobley got Rookie of the Year locked down. Does Josh have any chance over these uh, remaining 24 games? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say no chance. I mean, clearly, if there was a – if this was like Major League Baseball where we gave out awards in the National League and American League, uh, Josh is going to win Rookie of the Year in the Western Conference. Uh, Eastern Conference, you've got Mobley, you've got Scotty Barnes. It's largely Mobley that I think people are looking at. I wouldn't say Josh has no chance, but I think the fact that Cleveland has exceeded people's expectations, he's got the narrative behind him a little bit. He is playing extremely well for that Cleveland team. Um, I, I would expect it's his to lose, barring some sort of an injury, which we don't want to see, you know, for any player. Um, but still, you know, I, I look at it like this. If Josh is a guy at the end of the season that comes in second, in Rookie of the Year voting, that's going to far surpass people's expectations for the moment he was drafted. Yeah, and, and this has been a real solid uh, rookie class when you consider uh, Franz Wagner and uh, Jalen Green and everybody. You mentioned mm-hmm. Barnes and, and Mobley, who've been uh, tremendous. Kaminga's been pretty good, so it's been uh, it's been a good draft class, no doubt. Hey, John, great stuff. Great catching up with you. We'll do it again soon. All right, take care, gents. John Hamm, ladies and gentlemen, positional anomaly. Who is a positional anomaly at the ref? Uh, Josh Helmer? Uh, well, it, it depends on what you mean by positional anomaly. Well, he comes because... in and does every show when he has to, right? Well, I then mean, it's, def- it's certainly TJ Josh does Helmer, too. Yes. Yeah, TJ as well, I think. And, and, you know, everybody helps out here. Besides me, I'm the whiny soy boy who's at home all the time. Jeez. I'm really weak, aren't I? Really weak. I think it's, right. I think it's because you're the elder statesman, Mike. It may you, be. Little, you get a little bit of extra grace because you've got uh, you've got a longer resume, and that's probably why I've had uh, a sinus infection for two weeks too, because of my age and my diet and my lack of exercise and everything. All right, we'll break right here. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We're coming right back Thursday here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. 
Mike Steely Parker Thune here on this Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. Top of the hour, we're going to get into the uh, USA Today story. Caleb Williams saying he wants to win more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. Yes, we will discuss here in a little bit. River Romance Giveaway Friday night at Riverwind Casino. And uh, you're going to love it if you win a nice chunk of that $80,000 in cash and bonus play that will be up for grabs Friday night from 6 to 11.30. Make sure you're out there. You can make a great night out of it, have a great meal at Chips and Ales, really nice pub restaurant right there inside Riverwind. It is also going to be steak night on Friday night at the River Buffet. All-you-can-eat steak for $29.99. They just added an IHOP. You can have breakfast around the clock at Riverwind at the Seasons Food Court as well. And uh, get out there Friday night, 6 to 11.30. Hopefully you'll hear your name called. Have your wild card. If you play with your wild card Monday and Tuesday, you probably got five times the entries. And then again, they also have two grand prize winners they draw out just before midnight on Friday night. And they have another, well, they have more than one, but one of the promotions I know that they're looking forward to uh, next month, middle of March, they'll start it up, the $80,000 Land Into Luxury promotion where the eventual winner is going to win a 2022 Cadillac XT5 and $2,000 in cash. Always the best promotions at the one at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, yeah, well, let's get into the Caleb Williams stuff at the top of the hour. Um, I, I got a text earlier. Can you guys talk about the impactful uh, portal players for Oklahoma? Who will be the biggest impact guys? And well, Parker, there you got to start obviously at quarterback with Dylan Gabriel. But I think you mentioned Jeffrey Johnson, um, McCade Mattire, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Daniel Parker, maybe he's being overlooked a little bit, but amazing blocking tight end for Missouri. Uh, and I know you've got, you know, Caden Helms coming aboard. You've got Braden Willis back. Uh, Trey Morrison, the uh, cornerback from North Carolina. Uh, and you also think T.D. Roof, maybe, the uh, Ted Roof's son, who came to Oklahoma from Appalachian State, could be a guy that could play some for Oklahoma. Yeah, for me, the guy that everybody's overlooking in this whole conversation is easily Trey Morrison. I don't know that that guy has gotten nearly the hype that he deserves as a four-year starter at North Carolina now on his way to Norman, Oklahoma. I, I feel like I've said it before. Maybe I haven't. If not, I think it's safe to assume that Trey Morrison will have a starting role in Oklahoma's secondary come the fall. Now, The question becomes, where does he start? Because he can play corner, he can play safety, he can play nickel. He's played all over at North Carolina. So that's a guy that by virtue of his talent and his versatility, he's just somebody that you you, you almost can't imagine him not being in the starting lineup in some capacity when the fall season opens. I would tend to believe, based on what I've heard, that he's going to play safety and that he'll, he'll probably start alongside Key Lawrence, I would guess. Uh, Among the safeties, I do think Robert Spears Jennings will factor into that race as well. But I think for experience's sake, you do have to factor Key Lawrence and uh, or you do have to favor Key Lawrence and Trey Morrison to be the starters there. Then you're looking at the cornerbacks and I'm I'm really high on C.J. Colden, the transfer from Wyoming. I've heard good things about Kanai Walker, the Louisville transfer. So I think you will see a significant. I think you'll see the porter pay, the portal rather pay significant dividends in the secondary 
more so than anything else. And you also got to look at the de- defensive front line and a couple guys in Jeffrey Johnson and Jonah Laulu that should have significant roles in that rotation. Yeah, Jonah Laulu is the uh, kid from Hawaii, and uh, Jeffrey Johnson has already played on Owen Field. Uh, made some plays, in fact, in the Sooners' close call against Tulane when we all thought right off the bat, man, the, the initial reaction was, man, what what happened to the Sooners? And then the second reaction to that opening game was, man, credit those kids from Tulane, what they've been through, relocating and everything. Uh, you know, they really got them fired up. And then, of course, you come out and uh, Nebraska, you're like, oh, here we go again. It was it, There was something happening very early on in the season. I don't know that the head man was checked in throughout even that part of the season. But uh, certainly an underachieving year for Oklahoma. But Jeffrey Johnson played well against OU in that matchup with the Sooners. All right, uh, coming up next hour, we're going to talk with uh, George Stoya from the Denver Gazette, uh, you know, out of the OU Journalism School, really good uh, young writer covering the Denver Broncos, has a lot of thoughts on uh, Sooner football and Sooner basketball, I'm sure, so we'll get into that with George coming up as well. So stick around for that at 1.35 today. And uh, we've got to talk a little bit more about some Sooner basketball. Bedlam coming up, 11 a.m. on CBS on a Saturday. The OU women one at TCU handily with Skylar Van leading the way with 17. The Sooners snapped their three-game losing streak and beat TCU 92-57. Uh, last night, the Big 12, Texas at home over TCU, and Iowa State wins 84-81 over West Virginia. Nice win for Duke at Virginia last night nationally. Kentucky on their home floor beat LSU, and Auburn at home beat Ole Miss. So we've got a lot more to talk about. Sooner baseball also in Arlington. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday at Globe Life Field against Northwestern State. We're coming back here on The Ref with our second hour, Steel Man and Thune. Keep it here. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great deal on a vehicle from Seth Wadley. Exit 72, Paul's Valley. That's what we're talking about. And a great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel At no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. All right, a story from USA Today. USC quarterback Caleb Williams. I want to win more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. Dateline Los Angeles. According to writer Josh Peter, the ultimate goal for quarterback Caleb Williams is not to sign more name, image, and likeness deals than any other college athlete, but he's off to a good start with five deals entering his sophomore year and first season at Southern California. The ultimate goal is not to win a national championship, although he said he'd gladly take two of them before he plans to leave USC after his junior season for the NFL. Rather, the ultimate goal is to be the greatest of all time, the GOAT, which he knows will require winning eight Super Bowls, one more than Tom Brady. Quote, Tom Brady is in my favorite quarterback. I don't think he's necessarily the greatest other than his accolades. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but I do respect Tom Brady and what he's been able to do because if you play sports, if you play major league sports like NFL, NBA, you know how hard it is to win a championship and do it more than once. So what do you think? Caleb going to get as many Super Bowl rings as uh, Tom Brady, Parker? Will he get a national championship? First off, I think it's hilarious how Caleb's like, yeah, I'm leaving USC after my junior season. Like, 
He's not yeah. even he's not even opening himself up to the possibility that he'll be coming back to the Trojans in 2024. He's like, nope, three years and I'm out. Which we all kind of knew, but to hear it from the horse's mouth is kind of jarring. Because can you think of a can you think of an athlete that's ever done that before, Mike? Can you think of a college athlete, college football player that's been like, "Yep, I'm planning on being here three years and then I'm gone." Not off the top of my head, I can't. I mean, you you kind of knew like with Trey Young in basketball, you knew it was a one year deal. You know that he and Rayford had their sights set in the NBA, but I can't remember a college football player off the top of my head coming out and saying that like Caleb did. So I don't know. And he's an Aaron Rodgers fan. And look, I like Aaron Rodgers too. And, but Aaron Rodgers with that was out in California. He's a cat. He played at Cal, one of USC's rivals, of course. Aaron Rodgers just got through with a punch of karma, 12 day cleanse where they were vomiting, defecating and cleansing. I mean, that's a California thing, I guess. That, uh, I don't know. What? Uh, what? Part of that was, yes, uh, t- taking uh, enemas as well. I'm so confused. That's where Aaron Rodgers was, and that's where he got, I guess, all into his feels with that Instagram post where he told everybody how much he loved them. So you're saying this cleanse, this cleanse is a California thing? That's my understanding, yes. What on earth? That's one of the more bizarre things I've heard this week. I mean, apparently, if I'm going to uh, cleanse, Hanchakarma means five actions to eliminate toxins. Yes, there are enemas involved. There's nasal cleansing. Many of the treatments also use oils and a special diet can also induce vomiting. There's purgation, which means for making sure that your GI tract is very cleansed. Oh boy. Oh oh my good oh my goodness, Mike. Aaron Rodgers is turning into Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. <laughs> That's what we're witnessing. We are witnessing de evolution. Uh it also says that Panchakarma is a principle of Ayurveda medicine, which is done for cleansing, balancing, healing, and rejuvenation, according to the Ayurveda. Didn't Ricky Williams go to the California College of Ayurveda? I don't know. I, I just I think he did. Ricky Williams was out there for a while, which was the California Pot Smoking Institute, basically. Oh, I see. I just I hear you reading all this stuff, Mike, and I'm just like it's like you're reading to me a script from a Parks and Recreation episode where Chris Traeger is exp- is explaining his latest. I don't even know what you would call it. His latest hmm. kick. Apparently, this originated in India, but he was at a clinic, uh, I believe, in California. Uh, there are many ways that you can cleanse yourself through panchakarma, therapeutic vomiting or induced vomiting, uh, purgation therapy or forced diarrhea to purge the bowel and cleanse blood toxins, the sweat glands, kidneys, stomach, small intestine, colon, liver, and spleen. Now, if I'm going to a spa, I'm not going to be sitting on the throne all day. I can tell you that. That doesn't sound very relaxing. Medications given by enema to cleanse toxins through the colon. Part of this uh, cleansing process that 
Aaron Rodgers went through recently. He's a different breed of cat, too, uh, isn't yeah. he, Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I, here's the thing. We all knew he was a different breed of cat. I didn't realize how different he was until hearing you explain all of this, Mike. So I guess literally if you're full of you need to go get the Panchakarma treatment. So does that mean Aaron Rodgers is full of? Uh, at times he has been. I don't know. And apparently the decision's coming down soon. All right. Um, I don't know. Does this story, I, I, some people, oh, Caleb Williams is delusional or whatever. I mean, okay. Uh, I mean, it's great to set your goals high. And could Caleb Williams win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Could he win a couple? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I guess the fact, again, once you're aligned with Muleshoe, you are, you are in the crosshairs, so to speak, on social media. And I haven't seen him just get destroyed on this, but some people already like, okay, man, yeah, whatever. Um, we, we talked about this uh, a while back, and somebody was asking me, um, you know, and, and this person's a big OU fan and said, man, I'm, gonna mi- I'm really going to miss Caleb Williams because I think he's going to be a superstar and has a great chance to win a Heisman at SC. And I said, well, yeah, it, he does. There's no doubt about it. He's got an incredible um, high ceiling. He hasn't scratched the surface yet, made a lot of plays for Oklahoma. But he asked me, will he end up being the most missed uh, Oklahoma player, like in terms of a guy who could have been great at Oklahoma? And I, I still went with Marcus Dupree as my guy. Um, I'm trying to think of other players. There aren't a lot that fit in that category. Mike Gaddis might be one. Mike Gaddis got to play, you know, a couple seasons, but he had that severe knee injury, always seemed to be getting hurt. But, man, he was headed towards an NFL career and uh, was going to be among the great Sooner running backs. He was already, look, he's still one of the Sooner's better running backs of all time, but uh, never got to fulfill his potential because of injuries and uh, just some bad luck. And uh, he passed away. Mike Gaddis passed away like at 50 years old, which is a sad deal. Um, Barry Switzer said that Mike Gaddis was the best back he ever recruited out of the Sooner State. Now, when you think of great backs um, at OU, Billy Sims, Hooks, Texas, uh, Adrian Peterson, Palestine, Texas, um, Marcus Dupree, Philadelphia, Mississippi. Uh, there are some good backs that they recruited. Uh, obviously, uh, Billy Vessels, Heisman winner. Uh, what Cleveland, Oklahoma, I think for Billy Vessels, obviously not recruited by Switzer. But Mike Gaddis was a star, man. Um, no doubt about it. So he had kidney issues, passed away early at the age of 50, Mike Gaddis. It, you know, Parker, you're still so young, I don't know that you would have a list, but um, – I don't know how will Sooner fans, again, I think you've hit the nail on the head many times. What Caleb Williams will be remembered for more than anything else is bringing OU back, and he'll always have a place in OU history, mainly due to what he did in the Cotton Bowl. Yes, and again, we were talking about it at the time amongst the media that were present at that game, Mike, and... The conversation we were having, and of course we didn't realize how significant this conversation was going to look come January, February, but the conversation was, 
is Caleb Williams going to be a legend in Oklahoma circles if he never does another thing for the University of Oklahoma? If this is his one moment in the limelight, is this going to be good enough to cement his place in history? And the consensus among us, including some of those media members much older than myself, was yes. This ensures that Caleb Williams has a spot in Sooner lore forever. Now, naturally, we were all expecting that Caleb Williams was going on. He was going to go on to do great things for the University of Oklahoma in the months and years ahead. And he he, he did some more good things over the course of the latter half of that 2021 season. But now, you know, you sit here and look back on that year as the only year that he'll ever play football in a University of Oklahoma uniform. And all of a sudden, that conversation has a much greater significance. And so... To me, that is, yeah, that's what Caleb Williams will always be remembered for is that game against Texas, the greatest comeback in the history of the Red River showdown. And in my eyes, Mike, just from a comprehensive standpoint in terms of environment and atmosphere and narratives and storylines and the overall experience, that's the best football game I've ever witnessed in person. Now, as far as Caleb Williams saying, I want to have more Super Bowl wins than Tom Brady, look, that's all fine and well. Sure, that's what everybody's gunning for, right? Every single quarterback wants to grow up and break all of the records. Whether they own up to it or not, that's what everybody wants. They want to be the guy that's remembered as the greatest to ever play the game. But, Mike, we are talking about a guy in Tom Brady that is the NFL's answer to Bill Russell. Right, it's pretty obvious that we're never going to see any NBA player win 11 rings ever again. Likewise, I think it's pretty obvious that we're never going to see another player, and per, per, specifically no other quarterback, ever win seven Super Bowls in the NFL. I would say that's a safe bet, yes. Uh, and remember in the uh, Super Bowl Kansas City, Tampa Bay, everybody was talking about, man, this is the chance. Pat Mahomes right here. Patrick Mahomes could be the next Brady. He's the one guy who could challenge. And then Tampa Bay won, of course. So um, it'll be interesting to see how many Mahomes winds up with. But, um, you know, uh, one, I would would have thought that he might have uh, at least two by now based on when he won his first. But, again, still stuck with one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Your favorite sport, what kind of shape is it in right now? Good, bad, or ugly? What do you think? We'll get into that when we get back. We've got George Stoya coming up at 1230, or pardon me, 135. 135, we're already past 1235. And if you want to hit us up, Air Comfort Solutions text line, always there for you. Area code 405-651-3439. We're coming right back here on The Ref. George Stoya coming up at uh, one thirty-five here on the program. Good to have you with us on a Thursday edition. Mike Steely, Parker Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, so I was thinking about this because you, uh, you probably saw the story on ESPN.com about possible changes for the NBA. There's been talk of a midseason tournament, uh, reducing the uh, the regular season schedule down to like 58 games, you know, going with the uh, the Elam uh, way to end the game. I believe that's what they're calling it, where at a certain point in the game with four minutes left, you add seven to the uh, team that's leading the game score at that point, and then that is the game, The way you close it out. You can avoid you know fouls and a lot of other stuff uh, and, and basically make the game more exciting. 
And I was thinking about this because we are in a, a digital age. We're in a, a age where it's look at me, man, look how great my life is on Instagram. A lot of that, of course, is BS uh, because everybody has the same issues. But you know what I'm talking about. And attention spans are shorter than they've ever been. Inclu- look, I'm throwing myself in that category, too. I, You know, whether we're watching a game or... Shay and I are, you know, in the living room and we're watching Netflix or whatever. I'm still picking up my phone every couple minutes and looking at it. When I know there's probably not going to be anything happening, I'm still doing that. Do you find yourself doing that, Parker? Are you guilty also? Well, yes, very much so. And it's a lot. It's very easy to be guilty of that, particularly when you're in our line of work. And you know, and we and we all have notifications turned on for people that we think are going to break a story or somebody you know, athlete or celebrity we're interested in or, you know, something else that we're interested in. We have those notifications, so why do we pick up the phone? I still remember the 60 Minutes piece uh, with a guy who was at Google who was criticizing, you know, algorithms and everything. I can't remember the guy's name. I mean, he's not a big name, but he was basically saying, oh, yeah, we, we, we programmed, yes, you to be thinking that you need to look at your phone every second. Like, it needs to be attached to you, basically. We we have made it that way. There are things that we can do to make you feel like you have to be on your phone, looking at your phone or iPad or whatever at all times. And that get in, gets into a little bit of what we're talking about with the sports world these days because I'm thinking about your favorite sport. And I think around here, you know, most of us would say college football, number one. And a lot of it is uh, with the Thunder, if they're going great when they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, they went to the NBA Finals, or they were a serious contender in the West. Um, you know, Thunder basketball was huge as well. But I don't think there are a lot of people watching NBA basketball right now, even Thunder fans that are going through a, a full game. I, I just don't think they can do it. What do you think about right now? I think the NFL is still going great. The NFL is the most popular sport out there, and I don't know that you need to change a lot about the NFL, but the NBA season is way too long. Um, It's hard for me, Parker. I don't know if you're the same, and a lot of it's due to your schedule, and, you know, you've got another gig, I've got another gig, but so it's time plays into that. But for me, it's almost like if there's no drama in the game, unless it's OU – or OSU from time to time, or maybe a Thunder game. But, uh, you know, we all used to watch Thunder games from the opening tip to the end, right? Did Pretty we? much. I think a lot of people here did when they were going really well. Now, uh, that's not happening. And for me, I, if I don't have any drama, there's no drama in Game 71 of the NBA season. Unless, you know, it's LeBron comes to town with the Lakers or something, and Russ returns or whatever. But... And Major League Baseball, you're playing 162. I don't know. I I just wonder in the long term how some of these sports are going to have to adapt. Baseball is in a bad situation, and, you know, forever and ever it was the national pastime, but the games take too long. I mean, college baseball games take forever. Uh, Major League Baseball games, and I've always said baseball is best enjoyed at the ballpark. It's not a great TV sport. What do you think in terms of our major sports – uh, in terms of who's in trouble down the road, I'm not saying they're going to go away, but who's in good shape and what sports in not very good shape right now? Look, if I can be completely honest here, Mike, 
I thought professional sports across this country were at their best before everybody decided to screw with them. The, all of the changes that are being made to the NFL and to the MLB and to the NBA, when we're talking about reformatting NBA games or adjusting the season, we already live in a world where over half of the NBA makes the postseason, Mike. Mm-hmm. So not making the postseason is more exclusive than making the postseason. Think about that for a second. Yeah, And then you have Major League Baseball where they're putting all these bizarre restrictions on the time between pitches. Let's put a runner at second base and all that stuff. Yeah. And in the yeah. NFL, of course, they're trying to do away with kickoffs. They move back the extra point. And look, I, I'm not going to sit here and stand on my soapbox and try to act like a purist with regard to sports because some change and some innovation is good. But – I think a real easy way to lose the interest of the public is to lose touch with your roots. And to me, I I am very much a baseball purist. And you know that, Mike. I played the game for years and years. I saw nothing wrong with the way that the MLB was being played before they started messing around with the pitch clock and putting the runner on second base and extra innings. And to me, I understand the games take a while. And I understand in today's culture in which attention spans have been so shortened by the existence of things like smartphones and social media, I understand it's harder for people to sit down and watch an entire baseball game start to finish. But when you start to make all of these changes to the way that the game has been played for decades, then you risk alienating the people who, despite the advent of technology and the smartphone and social media, will take the time to sit down and watch a baseball game start to finish. Mm -hmm. So to me, Major League Baseball is in the twilight zone right now where they don't appeal to the new consumer, the borderline fan, as it were, but they're also losing the interest of the devoted diehard baseball fan. It also doesn't help that they're engaged in a lockout right now and aren't going to be starting the season on time. At least that's what everything points to at the moment. So to me, baseball is not in a good position moving forward, and that falls primarily on Rob Manfred. Now, as far as the NBA, I think there there needs to be a drastic pendulum swing in the other direction when we are talking about how many teams make the postseason and postseason structure and all that. Because when 20 of the 30 teams in the NBA are making the postseason, like, I'm sorry, it gets watered down. It gets diluted in my eyes. And explain to me how they're going to adjust this late game scenario thing again. Oh, there's talk about, and we saw this, uh, was it the All-Star game, I think, that started with this, where uh, at a certain point in the game, if there's like four minutes left in the game, there's a designated time, they add seven. Let's say the Lakers are up 70 to 60 on the Thunder. Okay. At four minutes left, then the you add seven to the Lakers' total, it'd be 77. So the first team to 77 wins. So uh, that's how it would play out in that scenario. And you know, they, they used it in the All-Star game. I don't know. My thing is I'm looking at, I don't watch. Here's how I'll watch an OU basketball game a lot of the times. 
Shay and I will be in with the dogs, and we may be watching a Netflix show, whether it's Ozark or Inventing Anna or whatever show we've been watching, and I'll watch the OU game. A lot of, you know, some of the games have been on ESPN Plus. You have no choice, but I'll watch the OU game, and, you know, you know all the players. So I watch the OU game while I'm watching a Netflix show. Uh, I'll do that sometimes with the Thunder, too, but I find myself, unless there's some real drama I can't get as excited as I used to to watch game 44 of the NBA season. Or, you know, uh, uh, the last time I watched a Major League Baseball game outside of the playoffs from the first pitch to the last out was years and years and years ago. I just can't do it. There are so many people out there that want to look at themselves, watch themselves, and watch their friends on TikTok. And, man, I know I sound like Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino here. But I just wonder how many, how the sports are going to have to adapt to, you know, attract those young people. And hopefully they won't go too far. I mean, can you say, oh, the NBA game, this is an eight-minute game today, two-minute court. You know, I just, I don't know what the future is going to look like. Who knows? We may have, uh, Stephen Hawking said, beware of the uh, AI that that we create. They could eventually take over. So maybe maybe it'll be a, a, a basketball game between the Oklahoma City Thunder and San Antonio played by robots. Who knows? Sam Presti might be a cyborg. We don't know. We don't know, but it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out because sports don't have, and I know for people my age, like, okay, whatever, dude, but sports, there's so much more competition. Sports is still entertainment. It is still entertainment, and there's so much more competition out there than there ever has been before. It's like going to play in a golf tournament where you used to beat, maybe you played in, in your club championship and you had to beat, you know, six or seven people to win. And now you've got, you know, a hundred people in the field. Uh, it's tougher now than it's ever been for marketing people. For I, I can only imagine what the meetings are like with Josie and Joe Harris and trying to figure out, you know, how to get more kids to the basketball game, more people to the arena, stuff like that, because there are just so many more options out there than ever before. Just a thought. All right, we're going to break right here. we got George Stoya coming up. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, sponsoring our second hour. Exit. 72. Keep thinking about Exit 72. If you want a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group, they're going to treat you right with a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. We're coming right back with George Stoya. Up next, here on the Home of Sooner Fans, that would be the one and only Ref Radio Network. How about that? We're going to bring in uh, George Stoya with a little uh, rage against the machine right there. Uh, the Tom Morello rift. The rift is coming. It's one of the better ones. Evil Empire. Good one. There it is. There it is. Harvard Law graduate Tom Morello. I still like Zach Della Roca a little bit better, though, myself. Tom Morello Joe- is in the running for most interesting man in the world, though. He is he is an interesting dude, there's no doubt. Uh, I loved Rage back in the day. Loved Rage Against the Machine. Awesome band. All right, George Stoya, awesome writer, Sooner grad, and uh, we bring George on from time to time, not only to talk a little uh, Denver Broncos football with us, but uh, Sooner sports as well, because you know he's keeping up on those 
uh, as well out in Colorado. Let's start with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. You know, at one point last offseason, we thought we might just see Aaron Rodgers in Denver, and it sounds like a decision is coming down fairly quickly for Aaron Rodgers. After all, he just went through his uh, cleanse, of course. Uh, are Bronco fans talking this up still, or uh, after what happened, uh, you know, last off season, has that talk kind of subsided somewhat? Oh no, it's uh, very much um, an Aaron Rodgers town here in Denver. I mean, that's all anybody wants to talk about. You turn on sports talk here, and it's that's that's all anyone uh, is talking about. And, and and I do think a decision is coming soon. I know there was a report this morning uh, from ESPN that. It should be coming shortly. I, I would expect, you know, maybe by Monday uh, we, we might hear a decision, um, you know, maybe later in the week, next week. I think it's going to happen, though, here uh, over the course of the next week. And I know the Broncos are obviously still very interested. Um, they're a team that I think a lot of people, you know, circle um, when you talk about trade destinations, and that's because they have a lot of young pieces and they have a lot of draft assets that they got from the Von Miller trade uh, and other trades that they could put. Um, together in a pretty big deal uh, to send to Green Bay. And also, you know, it's rumored uh, that, that Aaron Rodgers wants a, a $50 million per year uh, kind of deal. And uh, Bron- the Broncos are one of the few teams that have the cap space um, to be able to do that, you know, going forward if they were to sign him um, to an extension once they traded for him. So uh, it's definitely interesting. I know the Broncos for sure have expressed interest. I know Green Bay is not necessarily taking calls right now. Uh, and they probably won't be until Aaron says, hey, I want to be traded. So uh, it's going to be an interesting next few days because I do think we're going to finally get some news here pretty soon. Now, George, uh, last we had you on, which would have been last month, I believe, we discussed what plan B might look like for the Denver Broncos at the quarterback position if they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers. In your eyes, the way that things have transpired since the end of the NFL season and as we gear up for the offseason and the NFL draft, what do you think plan B should be? Is that, is that a push for Russell Wilson? Is it maybe signing a guy like Mitch Trubisky? Is it sticking with Drew Locke? What do you think the best course of action for the Broncos is if they end up on the outside looking in with Rodgers? Well, I think it's obviously Russell Wilson, uh, and I think that that's a lot of teams' plan B when you talk about the quarterback movement this offseason. If, if Russell Wilson ends up asking for a trade out of Seattle or if the Seahawks want to move on for some reason, uh, I think that Russell Wilson would obviously be a top priority. The realistic plan B, though, I think is a situation where maybe you try and get a Kirk Cousins who's obviously really familiar with the GM here, George Payton, who was the assistant GM in Minnesota when they went and got Kirk that offseason. Also, Clint Kubiak, who was the offensive coordinator last year in Minnesota, is now the quarterback's coach for the Broncos. So I think Kirk Cousins makes a lot of sense. I don't know if Minnesota uh, wants to move on from him, but I think that that's the next name. And then obviously I think Jimmy Garoppolo is another name that's going to continue to be thrown out there. I, I think you do bring up a good point, though, Uh, With Mitchell Trubisky, I think that he's a name that not many people are talking about right now. I think he's a guy um, that somebody's going to pick up. I know right now he's he's a backup, I believe, in Buffalo. But I think he's a name, you know, Huntley in in Baltimore is another name that's been thrown out that he played well at times this year filling in for Lamar Jackson. So there's some other lower-tier names in there that I don't think many people have given a lot of thought to. But if I were to put them in order, I think it would be Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and then there's probably just a handful of guys, including Teddy Bridgewater, maybe bringing him back uh, for a second season here in Denver. 
George Stoya with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune here at noon on the Homeless Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, uh, George, OU grad, uh, you know, OU in your blood. Uh, you get the lineage, the football program and everything. Uh, I want to know what you're hearing out there among your colleagues when you go around covering games and, and talk to the other writers uh, it seems the national narrative on Oklahoma football is, man, what, what's going to happen to Oklahoma now? Are they, they going to end up, you know, just like Nebraska when they get to the SEC? Are you hearing uh, some of your colleagues when they talk to you about Oklahoma maybe uh, saying the same kind of things, or are you hearing some excitement for the Brent Venables hire at OU? Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting because I think a lot of people um, that aren't familiar with Oklahoma and and really aren't familiar with what transpired over the last year because, as you guys know, a lot of things happened behind closed doors that uh, people in Oklahoma know about uh, or feel a certain way about that maybe national media or people here in Denver or whoever that aren't plugged in as much uh, are unaware of. And and I think that a lot of people think OU is going to be on a decline. Uh, a lot of people don't even, I mean, people know the name Brent Venables, but it wasn't, uh, other, unless you were an OU fan or somebody that grew up watching Oklahoma football, I don't think Brent Venables was a huge flashy name uh, to go out and hire. And so I think that that's part of it is people are like, oh, yeah, Brent Venables, yeah, he was the defensive coordinator at Clemson, but, uh, you know, he's never been a head coach before. So OU is going to be on the decline and they're going to the SEC. And I, I think that that's the perception. I mean, I remember – uh, when Lincoln originally left left for USC and, and the Broncos were playing at that time, and a lot of people came up to me. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. OU's not going to be any good anymore, are they? And uh, I was like, oh, I wouldn't say that. They've been, uh, you know, uh, a blue blood program, you know, since the 50s. So um, I, I think that they'll be just fine, especially if they go out and get the right guy. And, again, I, I've said it on here multiple times, I think Brent Venables is the right guy. So I would say, yeah, I mean, I think the national, you know, narrative is that, Oklahoma's going to have uh, a drop-off under Venables, and, and I just don't necessarily think that's true. Maybe next year they're not you know, competing for a national championship, but I do think the trajectory of the program uh, is actually in a better spot than maybe it was uh, under Lincoln Riley because I do think that they kind of gained this perception these last few years of, of losing the big games, right, getting in the playoff and not winning those games. And I, I just I, I think that Venables uh, is pointing them in the right direction to get – to those, you know, to that same spot that uh, you know programs like Alabama and Georgia are on currently. George, as you look around the Big Twelve, and obviously we don't know how long it's going to be until Oklahoma makes the transition to the SEC. Could be a year, could be two years, could be three years. Whatever the case, for the remainder of Oklahoma's tenure in the Big Twelve, who do you look at as the Sooners' primary competition? Who are they going to be doing battle with more so than anything else for the title of cream of the crop in the Big Twelve? Is that Dave Aranda and Baylor, Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State, Steve Sarkeesian in Texas? Which of those Big Twelve programs right now do you think is headed in the best direction yeah no i think it's interesting parker because and you guys know this it feels like the last few years obviously oklahoma has been on top and it seems like every year there's there's a new opponent whether it be tcu has an up year or, or baylor like last year or iowa state you know there for a few years and it's kind of been you know a, a revolving door and, and i think obviously texas will always be one of those teams i know obviously that they they've they've not been very good recently but uh, they've always got great players, right? They they, they haven't lacked talent uh, necessarily in recent years. So I think that you have to put them in that category. Um, I think Iowa State under Matt Campbell has done a really good job. I think they're going to drop off this year, obviously lose a lot of guys, a lot of talented players that have been there for a long time. 
Uh, I think Baylor, Dave Aranda, has that program moving in the right direction. I think he's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail, finding players that maybe not other programs have been going after. Uh, and one of the teams that I think, and maybe I'm biased because my, my cousin is actually on the staff there, is Kansas State. Uh, I think that they have, uh, they have a good chance to be pretty good next year. I think going out, getting Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, who I know has had an up-and-down career, but you put him in that system, and, and they really haven't had a quarterback um, you know, that's been that consistent. Skylar Howard has been injured you know, throughout his career. But you put Adrian Martinez in that, that system with uh, Deuce Vaughn, I think that they have a really good shot to be um, kind of a surprise team next year. So I think it's kind of a host of teams, right? I mean, it, you never really know. I think there's always that surprise team. Oklahoma State, I mean, obviously they're moving in the right direction uh, with the season they had this last year. So um, I, I think that it, it's kind of a group. I, I know that didn't really answer your question, but I really think it's kind of a, a mix of, of teams uh, in the Big 12 every year, and there's always maybe a surprise team that comes out of nowhere, OSU maybe being that team last year. So um, the Big 12's tough. I don't think the Big 12 gets enough credit for being as tough of a conference as, as they really are. All right, George, before I let you go, I, I guess it's been uh, almost two years out of, of Norman for you, right? We're, yeah. we're approaching yep. two years. Uh, college hangout, Norman hangout, you miss the most, and uh, Norman food, you miss the most. Uh, they might be the same. Oh, I, I got to go with Diamond Dogs, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually hosted a podcast there, I think, my jun- <laughs> sophomore junior year. I'd host a live podcast and uh, had a bunch of people on. And, and, you know, that was the place to go. And I was telling my brother, who, you know, he's a junior now at OU, and, and he was telling me, you know, there's no place to go eat late at night you know, when you're having a good time on campus corner, I was like, man, Diamond Dogs was the place. So to hear that it's reopening, I think that happened maybe this last weekend. Uh, that's a big deal, man, because those college kids, they, you know, they get hungry at 1 or 2 o'clock a.m., uh, you know, when they're out having a good time. So I have to go with Diamond Dogs, get the Wonder Boy if you're there. I hope they still have the, uh, the margaritas, too, because those were, those were some of my, fav- my favorite drinks, too. But, uh, and O'Connell's. You can't go wrong with O'Connell's either. I have to shout out O'Connell's because I spent a lot of time at O'Connell's while I was in college. George, good stuff, man. We love checking in with you every now and then and uh, still seeing your stuff there when you, when you tweet out your stuff. Uh, it, it looks to me uh, you're, you're enjoying your life in Colorado. It's got to be beautiful out there, obviously. Oh, yeah. I, I, lo- I love Colorado. The weather's great. Um, you know, most of the time it's like five degrees today, and I know you guys are dealing with some weather, too. But uh, I, I love it here, but, you know, I, I, I still miss Oklahoma uh, every day. Especially, I went back home this last weekend, and I was like, man, I really miss Oklahoma. So maybe one day I'll come back. There you go. George Stoya, we'll talk to you again soon, George. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, we're going to break right here. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, get out there Friday night. It is the $80,000 drawing, the big drawing for $80,000 in cash and bonus play. They've been giving away in the River of Romance giveaway. They also have, they've got an IHOP now at the food court. I mean, you've got the best promotions, the best games, the best service, best bars and restaurants. You add IHOP that you can have 24-7 to the mix out there. That's a Grand Slam home run. Well, Denny's is the Grand Slam, but you know what I'm talking about. IHOP, breakfast, best meal of the day. Now you got that 24-7 out at Riverwind. That's why they are simply the best. All right, we're coming right back. One more segment to go here on The Ref. Keep it here. Okay, closing out the Thursday edition here on uh, Steel Man and Thune at noon. 
Hope you're doing all right. Hope you're being safe. Hope you're staying warm. Uh, the, the main roads aren't that bad. But, uh, man, George Stoya mentioned uh, Diamond Dogs. Were you a Diamond Dogs guy? I have never Parker? been to Diamond Dogs. Really? Yes, that's like, that is, I think, it's one of the very few food purveyors in Norman and particularly surrounding campus that I have never patronized. So I'm looking forward to it coming back because uh, I need to experience it at a certain point in time. Isn't that where there, Joe Mixon got into trouble back in the day? No, that was Pickleman's. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, but uh, you know what? Hot dogs, pizza, barbecue, three foods that will never get old. Can we agree on that? I mean, I, I could get, I could have pizza, a hot dog, and some barbecue every night for the rest of my life. I don't know. I'd be very, I, I've, very I've, happy. <laughs> I feel like my blood my blood pressure would get very high at a certain point in time. Yolo, man, you only live once. Even if it's you know mid fifties or something, at least you enjoy some really good food. Actually, you know. I need to improve my diet, but I'm I'm having fun with my diet right now. It's uh it's very sugary and very uh well, it's pizza, hot dogs, barbecue, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh my wife now, she's super disciplined. Her her diet, you know, she's smart, I'm not. So that's the difference pretty much. Okay, uh, any other uh, closing notes we need to get to before we get out of here? You and uh, Tyler will have uh, locked in coming up here in a few minutes at the top of the hour. Always some great uh, Sooner football stuff during that hour, including uh, the very latest in recruiting and more. So that's coming up here in just a bit. Uh, via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, going back to the Aaron Rodgers conversation, uh, one texter says, it's the girlfriend that has got him doing this. So uh, Shailene, Shailene Woodley is Woodley, taking yeah. is taking the blame, I guess. But did they did they not break up, or did they say what was the news? Was the news would they're not engaged or something like that? I, I don't guess know. they're friends. I don't know. Either. Celebrity Aaron relationships Rogers. are way too dramatic for me to pay much attention to. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. What is the worst? Lamar Odom got ruined by the Kardashians. There's no doubt. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> oh, boy. Lamar Lamar Odom got the short end of the stick on that one. The Kardashians turned us all into, well, not all of us, but into a look-at-me society. I need my attention. I'm not really that good at anything, but I can make sure that people think that I'm really important. You know, and you have to be uh, somewhat attractive, obviously, as well. But, you know, they don't do really I, – I, look, well, they're fashion designers now. Yes, because they became popular because of, well, Kim's video. And uh, they're – I don't know. I think once we look at the uh, – down the road, when the history of how it all came to an end, the Kardashians becoming prominent figures in society will probably be – one of the reasons for the downfall. So hang on. How how culpable are the Kardashians in Putin's invasion of Ukraine? Very. Absolutely very. This is kind of scary stuff, by the way. Putin, of course, pure evil. But um, we'll see how this is going to play out. You never, you know, golly, and all the people, you know, freeing the Ukraine, fleeing right now. 
scary stuff. Very scary stuff. I, I do think that a mule shoe will also be uh, part of the uh, reason for the decline of civilization, too, uh, because of selfish people like him uh, who just lie. I mean, flat-out lie. He'll be part of the problem as well. There's no doubt. One of the big figures in the downfall of society down the road when the history books are written. All right, we got to get out of here. We've got Locked In coming up next. Parker joining Tyler McComas for a really good hour of radio. ton of Sooner information and conversation. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. They are awesome. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. We're out of here. Locked in up next.